Hi guys, welcome to okay, Glitch in cool. the Code here on Iconic.com. I'm here with William Ramsey, he's an author and he's a filmmaker and I've just seen that you've put out three films in the last few months, which is an incredible um, output. I know as a filmmaker myself, for getting these things together and putting them out is incredibly time consuming, but it's, um, and you're, they're for sale on Vimeo, we'll go through that at the end. So I wanted to invite William onto the show today to talk about the occult aspects of what we see going on around the world and William writes in depth about the likes of Alistair Crowley and the occultism behind this because I see the imprints of Satanism and cultism coming through transhumanism, through everything, even the wearing down to the, the wearing of masks, even to the way Extinction Rebellion was rolled out. There's occultism through all of this stuff and it's being missed and not many people are talking about the sa satanic prophecy side of all of this because I feel like if you look at that and you understand the end game, almost like the Georgia Guidestones, you can see it the playbook rolling out. So William, thank you for giving me your time. Sorry about all the time mistakes. And would you like to just introduce yourself and then we'll go into the, the interview part. Great, thanks Richard. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. It's great to be here. We got the invite from Billy Ray Valentine. So it was great to make your acquaintance online. Uh, my name is William Ramsey. I am an attorney, author, filmmaker. I've done some journalism. I've done a lot of podcasting too. So I, I you know, I kind of, stay busy doing a bunch of other different stuff but like you said i have put out some uh some documentaries recently they're on vimeo on subjects like 9-11 the occultism behind 9-11 occult hollywood volume 2 which i put out which talks a lot of people many of them uh from the uk as a matter of fact but uh and then uh children of the beast was more recently it was done put out about three weeks ago it's two hours and 45 minutes of information just about the influence of crowley upon culture and modern culture and i i'd spent a lot of time talking about that but i almost feel like i didn't tell the full story of crowley and how potent he was in influencing so many of the things that are happening today and just like you said transhumanism i think it goes back to satanism of this kind of idea of lucifer as the androgyne and uh as uh, exemplified in the image of baphomet and these are these are ideas that crowley uh really put forward and in his outlook he really wasn't really you know he's bisexual but in his in his sensibilities and also his followers have that kind of same sensibility so i think it's an important topic to talk about so when you when you saw all of this happening covid19 or all this stuff kicking off in um early 2020 did you say did you see automatically knowing didn't done the research you're doing that there was a satanic element creeping through this did that kind of flag up with you early on well, for me, I feel like that that agenda is there. So I think that there is an occult agenda in a lot of very important events, particularly 9-11 and a lot of the agendas through the UN and like the Georgia Guidestones, like you talked about, that the 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 hidden or occult or, you know, secretive agenda is there. And it encompasses really the idea of what would be called biblical prophecy, which is, you know, the idea of the Antichrist and uh, the false prophet and these things that come to the end uh, once the end world ends. So 
And you're kind of seeing these uh, pieces moved around on the grand chessboard, so to speak, if you want to use that term, which is also an occult reference. They, the cultists like to use the chessboard as an example of their capacity to control and strategically move events. So you'll see the chessboard in varied places, much, uh, for example, in Harry Potter or in The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp. You'll see the same symbol being used over and over again. So I think that nine, I think that COVID-19 is really an event that that is really terrifying because what for me and my understanding is it's about man's imprint on the biosphere because i think somebody took a real real sars virus and tinkered around with it and that's why it's super lethal but i do think that that same agenda comes up oh we've got to have vaccinations we've got to you know bill gates comes out of nowhere i don't even know what his specialty is i thought he was a tech person but he's telling us what to do in regards to this pandemic and you just see the the changing of the government like the u.s is just just ramping up immense amounts of debt that can never be paid back so you're looking at an additional crisis somewhere in the either near or mid future at least for us that that's going to have to be reconciled or, or remedied so um i think we're into like uh very troubled times very troubled times and, and as, as you say if you start to see the satan isn't it um, you mentioned the chessboard then. I know Alistair Crowley um, was, a, was a keen chess player himself. Yeah. It seems yeah. to be everything they do is a chess move, and that was yeah. involved with Alice in Wonderland. There was a thing called the um, oh, come on, bless, the Ben something, and it was a, a move that they would do to get children out of satanic rituals, and it was a move that they'd use it as, a, as an analogy. It's always well, there, the checkered, black and white checkered floor. Yes, but we yeah. see satism coming in with the likes of Bill Gates. Bill Gates involved with Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood was um, obviously his his um, dad was the head of Planned Parenthood. Right, IBM right. also, not people don't know IBM funded initially funded Microsoft into existence. IBM were right. the ones who funded the Nazi um, war camps, the tech there. So this right. Satanism and this this eugenics program isn't there moving all through this. What could you tell me about your understanding right. of the eugenics movement that's been here for a few hundred years at least? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I think that the real thing people think they always tie the eugenics movement to the Nazis, but the real progenitors of the eugenics movement were people in the U.S. and the U.K. before you know 1940s. So the head of IBM, whose name escapes me, was also a eugenicist. He was so he was very much in this kind of um, Anglo-Saxon model of eugenicism. But uh, I do think that that goes in. And, and Bill Gates, even Windows and the idea, people have said that that symbol is Masonic. And his dad was, like you said, the head of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, who flat out was involved in, you know, race politics and race war. Even to this day, Planned Parenthood has a very um, benign surface, but it's actually an incredibly malevolent organization in and probably much more successful than the Nazis ever could in really um, achieving what their aims were, which is, you know, uh, destroying people who they thought, you know, don't deserve to exist. So that agenda is always there. So I think it's always there. Um, and that's what's uh, exemplified or memorialized in the Georgia Guidestones. But uh, I think that that's really what's what's really of concern. And I think that's worth researching is that there are these malevolent secret agendas that uh, we got to really keep an eye on because people think that some of these people are are joking and even Bill Gates kind of slipped the tongue. He's, he was talking about 
um, vaccinating people in Africa. And he actually said, we can have success by, you know, we could probably kill off a significant number of people. I can't remember exactly what he said verbatim, but he like inadvertently admitted that they were trying to deep, uh, partially depopulate. So um, I, do, I do think that they're, they're the, like I said, it's very troubled times right now because at least in the U.S. it's just like right now everything's being uh, divided down racial lines and it's that the past is if the past is precedent the future is not going to be pretty at all at least not for us no no and i can't imagine how it is i think it's a little bit different over here i think the english are, are a little bit more um dry sense of humor has helped us stage stay they have to use a different kind of approach with us over here they have to do it a lot more soft i think they kind of we're not so reactive we're a little bit kind of more um not laid back, but a little bit more cynical. Um, and that brings me to someone like Trump. I, I personally can't understand why people are p- jumping on this QAnon thing. To me, it's kind of like a cognitive dissonance cult. What is your take on the QAnon thing? And also we have the Trump's connection to, for his uncle, to the CIA, to things like Tesla. I mean, it's all there, isn't it, when you start to dig yeah. into it and unpack it. Um, what is your take on the QAnon thing? And does it fit in with this, with the likes of Bill Gates? You know, we know they're still connected and still working together. Right. Well, I think that the QAnon is kind of like a social movement. I don't find them to be fully like I see it more as a cultural movement than something that is actually being leaked. But I see it kind of like I had uh, a guest. I actually talked to Neil Sanders, who you talked to, mm-hmm. and we talked about uh, and uh, Cambridge Analytica. So I kind of see it in the same vein as this new technological um kind of a propaganda slash social engineering operation where it's moving. And I think Trump has done that very successfully in really keying into uh, the concerns of a certain section of the U.S. population and really um, talking to them. Notions like the deep state. Deep state's a very easy thing to comprehend. And it may just be a systemic problem with a lot more variance and nuance. But having people talk about the deep state and certain things really allows them to really grasp that. And I think that Trump has really successfully, through his people like Steve Bannon, successfully convinced a large part of our population that they're populists, that they're really looking out. And I, I don't really see Trump. Uh, he definitely walks that walk. He definitely talks that talk, I would say, but maybe not so much walks that walk. But, I, you know, Trump is connected. He's been in the mix. He's in New York. He's known very... He has connections to the mafia. He's known very sketchy people. Um, that one of his mentors was a well-known kind of uh, lawyer, a, a real operator. So he he's he's very, you know, he he understands what's going on. He's not he's somebody who's been around. I think he's always been prepping to become a politician, and I think he just came at a different angle through, um, you know, what would be like uh, our our game shows or whatever being on you know, that game show where he got a lot of uh, notoriety and got in the public eye. So I think that he was always angling. He just found the right time to pull the trigger, which was 2016. I remember him coming out and he was in the the WWE, the wrestling, and he was doing promos there. And it's almost like, and and I I believe this to be completely true, that he was practicing his promo skills there. That was the whole point, was to be there to learn how to do promos. And even down to the fact that Vince McMahon, who runs the WWE, um, was the bad state guy, the the criminal right. corporate master, and he was the 
the other guy that came in, and they did it with Stone Cold Steve Austin, a wrestler from the mid-90s. He was this renegade guy who worked within your system, but I'm not going to be part of your system. Vince McMahon was the bad guy. And they're doing the same thing almost with Bill Gates now. Bill Gates yeah. is this criminal, evil, nasty piece of work, and they're playing him off against Trump, who's your your people's voice, really. And it's right. quite clear to see when you understand it. But but they're still working together, even today, through Gavi. Well, it's quite clear, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. how's the well, same I'm glad, I'm element? You, Sorry, just, go on. I'm glad that you brought that up, Richard, because that's how our politics has almost devolved into a WWE contest. Because if you're critical about the left, that means you're a total Trump lover. Like it's a it's a simple dualism, and I think that that is a uh, entrenchment of the bo- of the body politics um, ability to comprehend much larger issues that are going on. Because these agendas are still going on. And I think that it's not really about personality. It's not your you love Trump, at least for us here in the States. It's really about whether we're going to maintain and keep a republic. I mean, that's how serious it is. Is the rule of law really going to be maintained? Because uh, during the last four years, we just had a ridiculous farce of an objectively a ridiculous farce of a constitutional impeachment without any real criminal uh, proceedings. It was like the standards were abuse of power and absurd things that were totally subjective. They weren't even. Uh, you know, bribery or things that were supposed to be done under the Constitution. So we're in a very uh, difficult position here in the U.S. But as far as this this agenda, I mean, you can look at some of these people who have run our country. And for example, the U.K., every prime minister has been a Mason for the last 250 years, right? So that's, I think, a very telling element. And here in our country, I mean, you can look at Bill at like George Bush and George Bush Sr., and you can see that in my movie uh, about Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and the New World. Or these guys know the occult agenda. They have it down. They're really kind of elite occultists, something that Aleister Crowley would really uh, be admired because that really was his occult approach. He was not a populist. He was not a uh, man of the people. He was always trying to find elites to um, transform in his ideology. So you see that agenda. So you see this Georgia Guidestones who was done by R.C. Christian, right? The Rosicrucian Christian. And that symbol, and this is important, a lot of people don't know that, Richard, but uh, the, even the, the the actual idea of the monolith is, and I talk about this in Occult Hollywood Volume 2, is actually their symbol. So that's why the monolith in 2001 is the same dimensions as the monoliths that are at the Georgia Guidestones, as the same monoliths at the Millennium Tower right next to 9-11, as the same kind of dimensions as the United Nations building. Do you notice that they're all the same? There's mm-hmm. a reason, because it's all occultism. So it's all that occult idea. And uh, go look up the Millennium Tower. It's in the 9-11 event. It's incredible. So these people are putting these monoliths up. And do you know how tall the monolith is in 2001 that was written by Arthur C. Clarke and directed by Stanley Kubrick? It's no, a, I've seen the film. 11 feet. Yeah, but it's 11 feet tall, right? And so 11 is that their number of the New World Order. That's why September 11th kind of came past, because it all, in Crowley's system, 11 had all kinds of alternate meanings. It was the number of magic. It was the, you know, the idea, but it was also the, the prime number of the New World Order. His idea of the transformation of the world was also exemplified by the number 11. It's probably his prime number in his Satanism. So when people who aren't into Crowley or some other kind of occultism, they always think of these numbers like 666. 
these are kind of the Christian perspective because they come out of Book of Revelation. But Crowley had his own numbers, 11, 77, 93, which are Kabbalistic representations of his main ideas, which is Thelema and Agape, right? Greek words, Thelema is will, Agape is love. So love, do what thou wilt, should be the whole law, love under law, love under will. That's kind of his axioms, right? But he simplified that. So you see these numbers also integrated into the events of September 11th, right? So even the day of September 11th, right? It's a 9-11, but also the planes were all, it was almost like a big ceremonial magical thing. The planes 11, 77, 93, 175, the planes, the, 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 this was a, a masterful event to really transform the world because even the height of the World Trade Centers, which is a huge 11 against the backdrop, um, were 110 stories, right? So it's like a big 11. Broken into three sections, right? So you had to kind of go up different elevators to go up. So the whole thing was like a huge kind of temple. So it was a big 33. It's, it's just like all these occult uh, numbers were integrated in that. So you see this agenda going on through different things, especially in the United States, that the public really just has no, they're, they're kept from knowing through, you know, initiation because most people aren't initiated. But uh, and, you know, very corrupt, banal media that doesn't really tell them the truth. So the the agenda and transhumanism particularly is actually one of Crowley's things. And you had people like a guy who just died this year, Genesis P. Orr. Have you ever heard of him? Have you ever heard of the band? Have you ever heard of the band Coil or Throbbing Gristle? So he was like the head of Throbbing Gristle. But his one of his main kind of approaches was he was going to transmogrify himself into a new being where he was going to go through so much plastic surgery that he was going to be kind of uh, become a person who was a mix of a man and woman. And he changed his pronouns. So instead of talking to himself as an I, he would say we, because he was kind of like this other being really remarkable guy died 70, but involved in all kinds of really crazy stuff. Genesis P. Orge. I wrote about him in my book, children of the beast, but I think he was one of the really, one of the early murders movers in this whole transhumanism movement really one of the very beginning but his basis of that transhumanism was occultism or satanism he was a huge crowley fan and he had his own kind of cult that was called the temple of psychic youth have you ever heard of that nope that's a new one for me yeah so it's all kind of based in the uk they were kicked out of the uk because they were uh i think it was 1991 or two they were raided, and they found that these guys were doing all kinds of crazy rituals under a big picture of Aleister Crowley. They were super, very, very dark. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Peter Christofferson, also a Brit, also in the UK? Oh, that rings a bell, that name, yep. Yeah, he did a lot of artwork. He did a lot of the artwork. He was involved in the artwork for Pink Floyd, Peter Gabriel. But he was also friends and associates with Genesis P. Orge. And I talk about him in detail in my book called, the. I mean, my uh documentary called the smiley face killers which is on vimeo where i he was in there was like something going on where young men are being abducted and thrown in rivers and there was actually someone in east london his name um stephen port you ever hear of a serial killer by the name of stephen port but it's weird there's a very strange underground these guys were involved in i talk about it in my smiley face killers the title is the smiley face killers who is abducting torturing and murdering young men in the u.s and uk so I call. I talk about all these cases that are happening in Manchester, outside of London, um, Sheffield, all kinds of different places where there's they go out at night 
and they disappear and they're found in water sometimes two or three weeks later, which is very strange. But uh, it goes back. Genesis P. Orge is actually a very strange person. But if you want to look into kind of the the beginnings of transhumanism, I think he's an important figure to look at. So, so why would they be doing these things? Is it is it something they believe in, or is it something that that they just believe in, or is it something that they see like a mathematical equation? Is there some sort of sort of energy thing going on here that we just don't know about i would say so i think that it's part of that kind of occultism religion where you're an androgyne like uh genesis p orge called it the positive androgyne or the pandrogyne so it's kind of moving those two words together a pandrogyne so it's a positive event to become both male and female so it's in direct contravention between the kind of biblical standard, right? Because God made man, man, mm. female, men do their things, women do their things. And that's, you know, you don't, you kind of have your old set roles, I think, in a biblical perspective. And the opposite, the transgressive approach of that is that you deny those differences and you become bisexual, you know, androgynic or whatever. Like Crowley was bisexual. And uh, a lot of, a lot of these occultists, you kind of scratch under the surface, they're, their sensibilities are not from a, you know, biblical perspective. So I think that they do, like Crowley got energy from transgressing. So that was kind of like his power. That's where he derived his power. So maybe these guys are getting what they think is spiritual energy from Satan or, or demons or whatever by doing these transgressive, transgressive acts and getting away with it. Like you got to see this guy, research this guy, Peter Christofferson. He's really a remarkable person because he was very intelligent. His dad was a um, professor, I think, in some university in the Midlands. Midlands, And so he had a really high IQ, but he used to do very strange stuff. He would, like, read um, forensic manuals, like, about murders. Like, see, he was really involved in figuring out how police look, the mechanics of, like, police investigations. But he was involved in really weird stuff. And there was a video called Broken that was done. Do you know the band... Um, it's uh, not a perfect circle. There's an uh, the the video broken was really dark because it it was it depicted kind of like a crime taking place. It looked very literal and real, but uh, it's Trent Reznor's band, right? Um, uh, Downward Spiral, I think it was for that album. But look at Broken, it's incredible, and I have that in my video to Smiley Face Killers. You'll see, like, there's clearly a satanic underground taking place that a lot of people don't know. It's moving around. And some of these bands, I think, are really heavily involved in very nefarious activities. And I think them moving around from jurisdiction to jurisdiction really helps them. You mean, yeah, so I've said this before. I think a lot of these um, these uh, artists that travel the world, and not, not a lot of them would know it. Some of them under mind control, some of them under uh, a compromat, would be trafficking drugs yep. trafficking children on board the planes without possibly even knowing that that's taking place um because there's a perfect thing to be able to walk through airports and jump security because you're a pop star because right. you're you're and i've had some interviews with some people in the uk that um worked in in boy bands in the 90s and they were connected to the likes of the craze who were connected to lord boothby who were right, connected right. to cliff richard and that sort of and they're definitely yeah, tom driver do you know who tom driver is um, no, I know the name though. That rings yeah, a bell. Tom Dryberg and Boothby were involved in all kinds of 
shenanigan. Yeah. He just actually Dreiberg came up in the UK papers in 2015 as like a pedophile. Like mm-hmm. he was abusing young boys, but he was actually supposed to be Aleister Crowley's heir. Like he was really? actually going to carry on after Crowley. Yeah. So look up Dryberg Boothby. I cover them in Children of the Beast. So Dryberg is an important figure, actually, because there was a lot of communication and writings between Crowley and Berth and, and Dryberg. So they're talking, and it kind of gives you context of what's going on. And when Crowley died, Dryberg went to go find Simons, who was Crowley's literary executor. And he took a bunch of papers, like a bunch of incriminating papers, and snatched them right out of Simon's hands and walked off. And a lot of some of them were like Simon's wrote like he was making oaths, like he was literally making oaths to do what he will and committed to, you know, this kind of satanic revolution. It's pretty fascinating. But, yeah, I have pictures of him and Boothby together. So I know the Boothby Cray story very well. Yep, and then that goes on. I worked with a guy called Brian Harvey who was in a band called E17. The lead singer of that, Tony Mortimer, was the one who held Reggie Cray's casket. He was one of the pallbearers. He was connected to the... They was connected to the craze, connected to the boobies, connected to this underground pop scene that goes back to the 70s, 60s, that goes back to the very underground. They make a lot of B-movies in the UK, very terrible gangster-type films that are clearly not for the... The the budget doesn't go on the production, put it that way. It's quite clear that that there's a write-off and it's probably going through drugs, trafficking and all sorts. So there's a whole world there. Do you think that that then that the speed-up towards what we're seeing, this transhumanist agenda, they're bringing out all this technology, that they see the Achilles heel is Satanism and that's being dragged out into the light, this child abuse, child trafficking sexual abuses clearly come to the point now you can't get away from you know hollywood is a is a pit for sexual abuse it's been actually i found out that it's actually hollywood itself was a complete carbon copy of a place in rome called holywood where they used to get satanists i'm sorry satanists used to get the rich and the famous to come in and promise to make them a star um through rituals and they would pillage them kill them and rape them and keep the goods for themselves and it was around called um lake diana in rome um, right i've heard of lake diana yeah. yeah, no, I've heard it's of Lake Diana because yeah. yeah, it was Caligula used to go on a boat on Lake Diana and and perpetuate human sacrifices. Like he, there's known yeah. that he did it. So yeah, really intense, dark stuff. Really dark stuff. So if yeah. you look at Hollywood, the Hollywood Hills, and you look at Rome, Hollywood, Hollywood, the hills are the same. And the pit where people live in the Hollywood Hills is where the Lake Diana is in Rome. It's it's incredible when you look into this stuff. So. Uh, my question to you is, do you think that they realize that they can't hold the lid on this Satanism much longer? And that's the Achilles heel. That's what the big yeah, worry I, is. I think you're right. I think that they're always trying to keep it quiet. But there are hints at it, you know, that you can see that in these films. And I think that's why I kind of uh, made the occult Hollywood documentary is mm. because they're showing their numerology. They're showing their symbolism. And there's so much of it that they know. Like 2001 is a massive occult ritual in a lot of ways leading up to the events of 9-11 it's not a coincidence that 2001 is the same year that 9-11 happened yeah. so these guys are thinking on longer terms and over time and dates are very important to them on this kind of a cold especially a guy like arthur c clark who was a super genius but in like Crowley too just because you're very intelligent doesn't mean that you're going to make the, the best uh, best decisions for humanity, right? A lot of these people are working against the interests of, uh, you know, I, I would say an egalitarian, uh, you know, well-off society. They're not. They don't seem to have that in interest. And I think that's the darkness of the pedophilia. But to get to your question, 
Um, I think it's coming out. I don't think that they interpreted or anticipated the fact that people would just in, instinctively find a way around their control system. So they won't just eat out of the hand of the corporate media that are all, at least in the United States, all the corporate media here is so concentrated. It's owned by like five companies. Yeah. So you don't really have to, as a politician, you don't have to do a lot of work to to manipulate it. You just have to pay off those people at the top or compromise them or give them tax breaks or something where you can have them in your hand and they'll do your bidding. So it's not that hard, especially. So I think now you have shows like this or even my shows or my attempts to explain things is people are curious to see what they're not. And I think that's the importance of a movie like Eyes Wide Shut and really kind of a crazy statement by Kubrick before he died is to actually reveal what I think is the truth is that these are secret societies that really are ruling things, that they are secret rituals and these kind of sex magical rituals like what took place as depicted i think it was a rothschild mansion somewhere outside of london right yeah, yeah. and i think that that's really was the secret truth that he exposed and that timing to me was also incredible because it was right between before 2001 so you had really incredible movies in 1999 you had that movie you had um the ninth gate mm -hmm. with johnny depp which is like almost like a satanic like Pilgrim's Progress, like almost like a, and it ends with a Crowley ritual, a d d definitive Crowley ritual, which is his marriage of the beast in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And Johnny Depp is the beast, and Babylon is this woman, and they're literally redepicting a Crowley ritual. And you have to, you'd have to really be a, a very, um, very intensive or intrude, uh, like a critical occultist to, to realize that. Like, otherwise, you would just be like, what's going on here? I bet 99% of the people who watch that movie, like, something weird's happening. But it's definitely a Crowley-related uh, ritual because Crowley absorbed or twisted all of these uh, concepts from the Book of Revelation and integrated them into his religion. And that was one of them, was the beast. Like, he called himself the beast, and all of his um, consorts were the Scarlet Women, right? Anyway, so you had incredible movies in 1999. There were another one. I think there was a uh, one with Schwarzenegger where in the background the, the devil shows up and then the Twin Towers are in the background. Was that End I of Days? That, yeah, I think it was either End of Days, yeah. You had these, I mean, there was the timing was just incredible. So the public is definitely much more curious of what's going on, but I think that they're realizing that these occult ideas really are affecting world events and things. Mm. And I think that that may be something that the people, the real puppet masters, uh, may not have anticipated the public would really find out about. And uh, you mentioned there that um, the uh, Kubrick did that, did them eyes, eyes wide shut just before he died in the most mysterious ways. Um, sure. Also, David Bowie released um, Black Star just weeks before he died. Was it yeah. the Black Star album? And that's yeah, yes. full yeah, of. Yeah. It just talk to me about. I don't know much about it, but I know that it's full of occult symbolism. Oh, it's fully occult. I mean, the whole thing, the center of it all references a Crowley ritual. I forgot the name of it offhand, but it's like uh, six. But there's one line in there that's a direct quote from Crowley. But if you watch the interest, the whole concept is that um, that Bowie is actually Major Tom. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you see the beginning of that video and I do it on my YouTube channel. I tried to break it down. So if you go to William Ramsey Investigates and type in David Bowie, you can write in and look at my analysis. And I think I probably only scratched the surface, but because there's all kinds of weird things going on. But 
there's a smiley face right on his lapel, right on Major Tom's lapel. And so you see the smiley face motif. You were talking about the 60s and 70s underground. Mm -hmm. That motif is very commonly used. And you see it in Alan Moore and the smiley face killers. It's very strange. It's a very kind of dark. And I describe what that what I think that means in my work. But um, it's David Bowie was uh, my understanding is that he was a practicing ceremonial magician. He just kept it real quiet. And so you see that ceremonial magic ideas put through that. The candle is in the video. You see the staircase. You see, I think it was the city of Ormond, the city of the serpent. So you see how sophisticated he really was in putting that. In the very end, it's almost like he's mocking all three world religions. Because at the end, they're being crucified. It's Islam, Judaism, and Christianity are depicted at the very end. And there's some kind of beast moving around in the bush. So and there, there's black and white people like you see the duality of white and black is in there in a in a building that's shaped like a triangle. There's just incredible stuff. So um, and also he mixed with so many people and he went through a Crowley phase and he had Crowley references. You can see that in Children of the Beast. I think uh, one of the songs is like Station to Station is a direct reference to the Kabbalah stations of the Kabbalah. So he's talking about that. So at a certain point, it is very young life. He was a very sophisticated occultist, you know, uh, not he didn't it wasn't something that he came to later in life. So he knew, I think, a lot about that and, and integrated. Like he said, he was immersed in Crowley's uniform in one of his songs. I think that was quicksand. Um, but, yeah, so I tried to decipher what I thought Black Star meant. And even Black Star references Saturn. So you see this kind of all these kind of references, the the. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So, you know, it's just the, once you really realize these very important people, culturally influential people, really are occultists. They're they're not, um, they're not Christians or they're not just agnostic or atheistic. They're they're really ha- are driven by um, mystery religion type ideas. It's a couple of sides. Now. My, my actually, my mum went on a date with David Bowie just before he was oh, famous. That was really bizarre when she told me that. Yeah. And also. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up was Michael Jackson. No one talks about Michael Jackson very much in in the understanding of some of this stuff, but I know that Sammy J- Davis Jr. after Motown 25 was the first person to visit him, and I always felt with Michael Jackson they were trying to drag him into one of the occult practices, whether that was Satanism, Mary Lisa Marie Presley, whether that was Sammy Davis Jr. trying to get him into into the others, the Satanist side, Liv LeVay. Um do you think, you mentioned there that at the end of the David Bowie thing where he was almost like laughing, not him, but the devil was laughing at the three religions, that that is a nod to the fact that there's some people out there say that the three major religions are not, not by the everyday man who, who, who really practices them, but are deep down at the very top of some of these, these religions are actually worshipping Saturn. And there's a whole kind of thing about the Saturn cube and the, rolling up the right. crucifix into a cube. Do you think that was a nod to that sort of understanding well that's a good question it's very i mean if you look at the foundations of islam there's tons of occultism the black cube the what what uh muhammad my opinion what muhammad was up to was uh you know he, he allah was the number one idol so he just picked an idol out of a thousand household god idols right mm-hmm. so his conception of god was his own it wasn't tied and he got the whole biblical christian narrative Right. He was born in, what, the 6th or 7th century. He kind of got the Christian narrative. He didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ, which is, I think, a fundamental aspect of Christian doctrine. And even if you look at the Catholic Church, like Crowley himself said, he was not 
he didn't want to persecute the Catholics. He didn't seem to mind. He really wanted, didn't like Protestants and Jews. And if you look at uh, St. Peter's, the, the, the obelisks and the working is a big sundial. Like you have an occult sundial at a supposed found, like St. Peter's, which is the foundation of this huge, massive uh, so-called Catholic religion, which is really problematic for me. And then even Judaism, if you get into certain aspects of Judaism, which is a big tent, um, some of it's flat out occultism. Kabbalism and some of these other aspects can be called Judaism, but you could have, I mean, within Judaism, they're always, I mean, just like Christians, they're bickering at each other about what's the actual real fundamental doctrines. So um, to say that there is a dark hand within these religions, I think that it comes and goes. Like if you look at the history of the, the um, so-called popes of Catholic religion, some of them, like Alexander VI, who clearly thought he was a resurrection of him, was basically like uh, eyes wide shut. Like they were having all kinds of crazy parties, like yeah. naked prostitutes, <laughs> orgies. Like that's the head of the Christian religion. That's exactly the opposite of the kind of ideas of uh, the founder of that religion, who, you know, maybe drank a little wine here and there, but definitely was not involved in that. Um, so uh, I don't think that's an easy question, but I think that they can be usurped. I think that, like, I've heard some recent stuff about the American. Even American Christianism has like this, it's like almost like they're hypocrites, like it's a stage act. They don't, in for their personal lives, they're not that much interested. They just get up on stage, prance around, uh, preach a quarter gospel, and make a lot of money. So the, even the American Christian experience, what's called the Christian experience is airsats. It's plastic. It's fake. And uh, especially since the 1950s with the rise of a lot of televangelists and things like that. So um, to say... I mean, there's stories about American preachers that are not pretty. They're just they're just not acting like on their personal lives. They don't act like they're they they're hypocrites. They don't act like they're actually doing their religion. So some some again, it gets pretty dark. And going back to Michael Jackson, if you see some of his albums, he has the seven 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 on his arm, which is Crowley's kind of like uh, text, comparative okay. religious text. Yeah. And I think it's at the end of Thriller. That there's like he he quits, you know, he turns back into a demon at the end of Thriller, mm -hmm. and yeah. in the background there's an obelisk. So he kind of at least somebody who's surrounding him has an idea of numerology and symbology. And I think I mean he was a I think that it's pretty much evident that he was a stone cold pedophile, and almost all the kids that he was a suit you know with probably had sex with. So he was uh, in that kind of vein. Like I think that that's what the like the, that element of pedophilia is to corrupt people and to to pervert them towards, I think, a larger goal of like traumatization and creating this kind of darker world that these people inhabit. I think that there is a spiritual, I mean, element to that. I think their intention is in the Catholic Church. So pedophilia, I think, is, uh, and if you read about Kubrick and Clark, these guys, I mean, some of the stuff, have you ever read Crazy Days and Nights statements about Stanley Kubrick? Uh, no. no. Have you ever heard of, have you heard of the website Crazy Days and Nights? I haven't. No, I'll check that. Yeah, it's actually a really that I would highly recommend if you're interested in deep diving some research. Okay. I would check out Crazy Days and Nights because they're all um, they're all entertainment lawyers in Los Angeles, and they just have the craziest stories, man. And I think a lot of them really are true, but they've successfully kept their real hands off of it by using fake names. So they just wow. put the story out there and let people realize there's a guy by the name of Jamie Deluxe D L U X who has a YouTube channel where he's created videos based upon those stories. So if you're kind of more of a visual learner, 
that would be a good thing to I would recommend people go look at Jamie Deluxe's video on YouTube. And uh, but the story about Kubrick is that he was a pedophile as well. And that that that's Lolita. He actually mm -hmm. was having carnal relationships with the women who were supposed to find uh, obtain that lead role. Right. The, uh, I forgot that was it uh, Nabokov's book. Right. So. And Clark himself was known to frequent this club in, I think he was in Sri Lanka, Ceylon, raping little boys and giving them money. And where did he, guess where he used to go troll for little boys or 12-year-old, 13-year-old boys? A ping pong place, right? So like comic ping pong. So you see the symbol. And if you go back to watch Lolita, one of these important scenes between Humbert Humbert and I think Peter Sellers was them playing ping pong together. So this symbol is it's a known uh, you know it's like the symbol that they know of and it actually has like a kind of a sexual overtone to it like it gets really dark God. but uh, yeah so, so I don't know that kind of have their own language within like you would say when you read the the biblical text and you've got different versions of one person will read it one way one person will read it the other way depending on your understanding and your and your you're not indoctrination I suppose it is a little bit your understanding and your teachings of what it actually says. And it's just different levels of reading the same thing. Um, th there's another thing with, with Holly Hollywood. Um, we know, I think now, Hollywood is probably going to crumble as it is, but it's all moving over to Netflix. It's all moving over to... I think it's going to spread out. But the transhumanist agenda is in every single film pretty much you're seeing now. It's really, really been pushed. To me, the transhumanist agenda is nothing more than a technological version of the prophecy of the... The upload to the cloud is the same as the rapture, the Solomon's temple, the king on the throne. It's all out there to see, and they've just digitized it. How do you see them? Do you see it? It's almost like a. How do you see that? Do you see it similar the way I see it, or, yeah, or a different no, take? I think so. So that's their apotheosis, right? Is the godhood into the technological. So you could say there's a techno occult. And I've heard that theme within X Men is that of this kind of transhumanist Superman idea. And if you see the film Transcendence, which mm -hmm. uh, also features Johnny Depp, that is the the arc of the narrative. Is Johnny Depp gets sick and then becomes a god in the cloud and literally is influencing this girl. So I would check out Transcendence. And the kicker of that movie, including all the occult stuff, is that it came out in April 18th, right? I can't remember the year, but 418 is April 18th. And that's Crowley's Kabbalistic number for world transformation so they keyed into the yeah so they put it out on a very important cold date and there's johnny depp pops up again right just like he popped up in um the ninth gate he also pops up in a american criminal case called the west memphis three he was a big supporter of one of those people i don't know if you know that as well but i wrote a book about that so these guys um are not just in films but they're influencing modern events because they help get somebody off of the uh death penalty which is very unusual so I do remember that. Yeah. I so, but yeah. So I think that you make a great point. Is that that is I think probably going to be this new kind of apiothis, apiothis, You know, where man becomes God through technology. And it's always about playing God, isn't it? It's always about becoming more than God. The Tower of Babel back to different. Um, I mean, they use the same divide and conquer um, theology as that. They're not very creative in a sense. They use the same playbooks. They just dress them up differently. So they tower play bell using different languages so we can't communicate. Well, now divide and conquer Black Lives Matters. Anything just to get you guys arguing with each other and miscommunicating everything. I see the QAnon is exactly the same thing. It's another way of miscommunicating divide and conquer black and white 
um, flooring, yeah, basically. Um, yeah. And it's, it's all the same playbook. Do you think, uh, just a quick question popped in my head before and we move on. Um, do you think they load these numbers then? You said that was like the um, April, um, I can't remember the date, you said 14th yeah, was, of April? Yeah, so, go, no, yeah, it's the 18th of 18th, April, 418. Sorry. Go look up Crowley's number, Kabbalic number 418. Do you understand like how Gematria works, where each word has a numerical value in either Greek or English? So each letter, ha so each letter has a number. So okay. that number, so when you add them up, they add up to something. So that's how it's calculated. And so, like I said earlier, Thelema and Agape, both in Greek, add up to 93. That's why you'll see this number 93 associated with Broly. Well, 418 was, the, I forgot which word it was, but it was the sum of like either global transformation or something. So Crowley, in his ideas... He wasn't just individual trans. He wasn't. He was putting forward a, a religion, right? He called the Lima, but he really he was trying. His he had this overarching notion. He was going to get rid of the old system and enter into the Aeon of Horus, right? So it was the old god, and the, the age of Horus was going to be called the birth of the child. So it was the new birth of the child, and that that was going to be a, a full change in the entire global spectrum. So he thought and very expansive terms and that global expansive and at least in his Kabbalah led up to 418 i can show you something offline and i think i included that in children of the beast because i put in one of his Kabbalah charts and you can see how he is calculating these things 93 418 77 and all these important numbers that uh, were important to him so yeah that ties in with um what i just i found out about um corona corona equals 666 if you add all the letters up so um i mean that was quite clear they do it every, do it all the time it reminds me there what you just said about crowley saying that he was going to be the second coming there's always this second coming thing isn't there even with um sabotai zevi and then jacob frank later on there's always a reincarnation of some sort of deity or some sort of god they <laughs> this is is it what is that? Is that some sort of severe mental health issue, or is it just a grandiose narcissism? Is it psychopathy? What is that? Because that's not me, and you don't want to rule the world. Like oh, yeah. you, do, you wouldn't want that responsibility, would you? I mean, that's just no. an odd thing to want. I think it's all of the above. I think it's narcissism, psychopathy, and everything else. I mean, I think it's very strange, but I think that when these people be, you know, Crowley thought of himself as a prophet. He thought he was a prophet of the new aeon, right? So not just a prophet of an age, but he had a cosmological view. He really wanted to have, yeah, he had this very expansive ambition. And uh, I don't know why they're all like that. If you look at Hitler, he was going to have a thousand-year Reich. If mm -hmm. you look at Scientology, Hubbard, Scientology, we're going to transform the world. Even a lot of these people, even like Joseph Smith, like we're going we're gonna to have this gospel all over the world, my book, you know. They, they have this thing. And even... Um, even Muhammad for that like the the final end of Islam is the conquest of the whole world right it doesn't end that's why you're never going to see the end of what we call terrorism because the fundamental doctrine within Islam is world conquest like the Islam is all over the world everybody's going to submit right that's what Islam means is submission so um that's why there always will be conflict as well so uh I mean even Jesus but Jesus more was like share the gospel all over the world even though it's taken on forms of definitely subjugation and, uh, you know, financial, political control. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know why all of them kind of get to that. All of them get to that level where, you know, global conquest is, is what I want. You know, I don't know.
I think it's like I, I was thinking someone else, um, Richard Grannon, who I know quite well, and he said that anyone who would want to be president, who anyone would want to be the king of the world, is surely not someone who should want to be king of the world. It almost should be put upon you, and you're like, okay, I have to do this. But for, to want it implies the need to control other people, and that's a dangerous person, in my opinion, to even be well. there in the first place. Um, just to wrap this up, where do you see this all going in the next... I mean, let's not go too far, because I don't think we have to, really. Maybe <clears> in the next couple of years, um, um, especially in the US, because I think the US is, is probably where it's going to be mostly implicated and then almost like a testing ground. Obviously, they've done China. China's already way ahead. Um, I think they're going to try and do the very similar things in, in most of the US and then possibly roll it out over more of a Europe. I think that you'll see kind of a movement away from the cities, more urban, I mean, more rural kind of people uh, getting back to more safer environs. And I think you're seeing a, a real social change that's going to take place in, this, in the U.S. As, uh, and I think a lot more conflict. I really think that some of these riots that we've been through are unfortunately only the beginning as far as uh, people being dislocated. If you have this many people out of work here, 40 million people, I mean, I have spent a lot of time in Santa Monica in Los Angeles, and it looked like a war zone when people went through there and looted it. Those, those buildings are still boarded up, and I don't think those businesses are coming back. And that used to be a very thriving hub, like an anthill, like tons of people and, and tourists and things like that. It's empty on busy days when it should be busy. So uh, you're going to expect more dislocation. And I don't know if Trump and some of these people have the answer. And we're in real trouble because the other head of the Democratic Party is basically non-copos mentis. He's just not there. He's actually has dementia. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's very strange because here in the States, the, the left seems to put forward people who have literal brain damage because Hillary Clinton also had brain damage in 2016. It was a massive cover up. But uh, yeah, so if he wins, I just I just don't I don't have a real optimistic view of uh even within the next couple of years. So I would recommend people really be prepared to make changes and things are already happening here in the States. People are moving away from more expensive areas. They're either going back home to be close to family. They're making um, decisions that they never would have made six months ago. A lot of them based upon them not even having a job. So yeah. people and those jobs, a lot of these jobs are not coming back. So, so you do see a kind of brave new world type environment where you have your cities and then you always have your people in the woods <laughs> to live yeah, off grid. I think so. I think that more people will make that off grid decision, but uh, you know, it's it's very strange. I don't know how how tight the screws will get on the control grid and things like that. It's already bad here. We're just pounded with propaganda all the time. Mm. Um, there's actually people saying that they've moved to almost total military style propaganda where. You'll say one truth and they'll just pound on it just to lie and confuse people and keep people in a state of helplessness. And I actually tend to agree with that on some of the stuff on COVID. You can't get any clear answers. And I don't even think they're being honest about the foundation of the virus. So, um, yeah, I'm not optimistic about the near future at all. No, the only the only way I can see any out of this is non-compliance with the government any government is to literally just ignore them. I said it, and I know that's impossible, and I'm not saying it'll ever happen, I'm just saying I can't think of anything else. It's almost like a play. I said, um, the, the shitty play will carry on, and the new characters will come in, as long as the audience stays there and pays for their admission fee. If right. the audience leaves, then there's nothing happens. And, and we're all watching, and that's the point. We're yeah. all watching and taking our cues, when to laugh, when to cry, when to act from the, the stage play. 
And the only so, thing I can think of is just to get out of the theater. Yeah. Everybody, just no, get out of so the theater. No, it's so true. It's so true. And here, I mean, they're just they're dictating people's responses to problems. They really are. And I think that even here, the Black Lives Matter and a lot of these things are are being exacerbated by uh, corrupt media. And I think you know we like uh, the guy who George Floyd he was murdered. Uh, you know, you, there's no way to uh, minimize that, but it doesn't mean that all at all. It's irrational to think that all police are doing that all the time. You know, so yeah, you, I think that you, it's you. You really got to be very concerned about where you get your source of information and who's telling you what and telling you what to do and who to be outraged at because there's definitely these outrages and these hysterias and these hypes are are being promoted but for political ends that aren't uh, really in the best interest of the average person. Yeah, and while you're stuck in at home, you're being gaslit continuously by the yeah. black box in the room. You're completely yeah. being gaslit. Thank yeah. you so much for your time, William. I know that you get on. I know you've got a busy day. Um, where can people find your work and where can people find your films and, and, and get to see the work that you're doing? My uh, documentaries are on Vimeo. You can probably just type in William Ramsey. I have five documentaries uh, there, some of them in greater or lesser length. My longest one is three and a half hours. Tons of work on this serial killings that are taking place that nobody seems to really want to talk about. Not the media, a little bit in the media, but definitely not the authorities want to put out a warning. But uh, there and then I have usually I'm on Twitter, Facebook, William Ramsey, and I've done a lot of work. I kind of am trying to get away from YouTube. They've just put my YouTube channel into nowhere land, cut off all the people linking to my channel. And uh, but it's William Ramsey investigates is there. And then I have a podcast with tons of interviews. If people are interested in that books and a lot of people from the UK, as a matter of fact, but uh, that's also William Ramsey investigates. You can get that on iTunes, Google plays or any of these other um, iHeartRadio, any of these other podcast aggregators. That's fantastic. Thank you for your time. Well, over at Iconic, we're always looking for new people to contribute stuff and, and um, to work with. Obviously, we fund films, we fund um, new content, we fund series. It's a Netflix for this sort of information. That's why we built it. Um, obviously, we've got the David Icke brand behind it, so we're quite lucky. We, and it's doing, it's doing really, really well. The subscription base is really well. Oh, so any ideas, concepts you have, films you want to make, series you want to do, please be in contact. Just, just let me know, and I can pass it on okay. to Jamie, and we can chat about things because... This information is crucial and we want to keep it going. The work that people like David have done, Max Egan, who's just been banned off of YouTube, um, Jordan Maxwell, yourself, myself, and all these other amazing um, We Are Change, Dan Dix, these, these other people that are doing this great work won't have a YouTube to go to, so we're building a platform for that. Um, BitChute yeah. is one I would recommend as well. They don't censor and We know the guys from BitChute quite well, so they're worth re-uploading your stuff there and just building okay. that for a later day. It's yeah. worth a heads up. Guys, please go over and look at um, William Ramsey's work. I will put all the links in the bio below, in the description below, where you can find his documentaries, download his documentaries and, and rent and buy them there, and find his books and find his website. Thank you, William, for your time. And let's do this again, and let's also yeah. pick okay. up some other topics, because I've learned a hell of a lot in the last hour that I didn't know about, and that's always yeah. a good thing. Um, thank you for your time, mate. And great, guys, great, great to talk with you. Thank you. You too, cheers mate. Guys, go over to Iconic.com and log on there, you get a seven day free trial, there's new documentaries coming out, we've just put a documentary out about 5G millimetre waves and the effect it has on your on your health, um, and there's films on there about lockdown, there's films on there about all sorts, um, not just conspiracy stuff, some of this stuff is um, about um, how to live your, your life a lot better and 
and um, and find your way around this mad mental backwards world that's only getting any worse. So thank you, William, for your time, and I'll speak to you soon. All right, take care.